שלום ליהודים, שלום לבני נוח, שלום לגויים. It's the evening of the fourth day, ערב כ"ב בטבס, פרשס שמוש, תשפ"ד, 5784, leaving of the third day, Tuesday, January 2, 2024. You're listening to Phantom Nation, a.k.a. the program program, coming to you from a nation divided, thanks to the mixed multitude. And who is the mixed multitude? That's the common English translation for the Hebrew ערב רב, Well, I prefer instead uh, of uh, the mixed multitude, the great mixing. The desire of this slice of the children of Israel who want the Jews to be more Gentile-like. Case in point, uh, in early 19th century Germany, the so-called Reformed Jews, uh, whose every reform was the deletion of distinctly Jewish behaviors in appearance, clothing, diet, the moving of the Sabbath to Sunday, etc. Theodor Herzl was raised in that community. He's called... Jose Medina, the visionary of the state. Uh, every year there's a National Herzl Day, and this is why we have the high court that we do, that yesterday claimed the right to disagree with the people's elected representatives over basic issues and cancel their desires and wishes. Yesterday, the 15 judges voted 8 to 7 for the rightness of themselves, uh, denying the will of the people uh, expressed via the their elected representatives. This is a high court made in the image in the 1990s of a man named Aharon Barak, one assumes is legally a Jew, but de facto is no more Jewish than was Karl Marx or Senator Bernie Sanders or George Soros, all legally Jews, but not otherwise deserving the adjective Jewish. Chief Justice Aharon Barak recently revealed that he has no idea what is in the Tanakh and no interest in finding out. Yesterday, his sole sister, the current Chief Justice, Esther Chayut, uh, she's Chief Justice, by the way, by virtue of seniority, not merit. Uh, recently, in a public and televised session, she cited the courts in New Zealand to support her view of the concept of reasonability, suggesting this woman likewise may be legally a Jewess, but uh, has no sense that Jewishness should play a role in the judicial administration of the world's only Jewish state. This guy would not fall if she buttressed an opinion once in a while with a citation from Jewish jurisprudence, which is all over the Talmud. Israelis can be proud of being the startup nation in high tech and excelling in medical science, but as legal thinkers, leastwise aspiring to think as the Goyim do in the U.S. and elsewhere in the liberal democracies, they are judicial mediocrities. The eight who voted yesterday, as they did, are an embarrassment. They showed no sign they have a, a basic understanding of democracy and the traditional separation of powers uh, meant to defend against the concentration of power in one sector. We saw this uh, widespread misunderstanding of democracy in the criminal violations of law and order by Ehud Barak's rioters, people unhappy with losing, when the essential behavior of democracy is elections by the demos. They decide... Who to grant the power to administer their society, to govern them, versus these stupid, selfish Israelis refusing to respect the results of an honest democracy, a democratic election, and doing so in the name of democracy. This is the same court that just ruled in a separate decision altogether that two people of the same sex may legally adopt a child and pretend to be mommy and daddy, husband and wife, to this child. No problem. 
Nature dictates the necessity of two parents with different bodies to create a baby and no less uh, to raise the baby to a healthy boyhood and adulthood. And since uh, the Jews, I believe, are most hated uh, in the world, Hitler got it right because they represent morality and morality and guilt and morality and conscience and the morality and sexual behavior. Uh, the Jews, unlike the Romans, who sexual, sexually ultimately did themselves in, I mean, who speaks Cicero's Latin anymore? Who sacrifices to any Roman god anymore? There were thousands of those. Conversely, the Jews preached sexual restraint and discipline, and they are still here. But don't tell this to Israel's highest judges, highest legal thinkers, wise men and women up there on the Israeli version of Mount Olympus of the Greeks, uh, a culture now also entombed in the catacombs of ancient history. These judges see nothing wrong with two men sodomizing and fellating one another, pretending to be husband and wife, and they will become good parents to a little boy. If indeed the results of the election in 2022, the 64 seats uh, went to the right and they were the victors, if that accurately reflected the public opinion, surely the majority of Israelis today who voted for the right then uh, to change the judicial system Today, they're seriously ticked off. These uh, high and mighty justices are a disgrace for their rape of liberal democracy, which venerates the separation of powers. One of the virtues of the United States Constitution was that its framers, who had fought and died fighting, uh, divine, fighting against divine right government, monarchy, and after the failed Articles of Confederation that were so weak, they knew they had to create a more re robust government. Still, they feared government. The best government is the least government in their heads. And to that, uh, to that uh, end, the separation of powers uh, has been essential. And here were these post-Jewish lawyers claiming they had the right to cancel the views of the elected National Assembly. These unelected, self-elected mediocrities, and to top it all off, to the majority of Israelis, they did this in the middle of our war for survival. Many Israelis since October 7 have marveled at the national unity versus the miserable riots over the last year of antagonism versus these magisterial judges who couldn't wait until after the war to render this decision, this wretched, wretched judgment. Israelis are ticked off about that too. I remember the Yom Kippur War during which I was a non-Israeli volunteer, a truck driver, and the uh, benefit, quote-unquote, if we can have uh, such a word in this circumstance, was the camaraderie that immediately surfaced in the country. Everybody was on their best behavior, uh, generous to one another, uh, versus this miserable court that has now uh, soured us with this miserable decision. Have they no sense of propriety and, and fairness? The high court should be as balanced as possible because a healthy society is like so much in nature. It is bipolar. The ruling government must be opposed by an opposition. And ideally, they cross-pollinate. All the major liberal democracies produce two principal big parties, left and right, and that is as it should be. Neither community has 100% lock on truth and wisdom. Versus Israel's high court which is an embarrassment as a self-selected high priesthood. In this, it's very Israeli. Success in this society uh, means good connections, protectia. Chaver mevi chaver is the expression, meaning a friend brings a friend. 
Those raised to sit on this high court are chosen by the sitting existing judges, and it's human nature to prefer people like yourself and not prefer people unlike yourself. Ergo, this incestuous clack of like-minded non-Jewish cosmopolitans. Uh, New, New Zealand is no example for Israel, Esther, if you're listening, especially when this very day somewhere online was a report on that country's 10,000 Jews being subjected to born-again shameless Jew hatred, vandalism, assault, and battery. How coincidental as well, today, Tuesday... And when the daily psalm is the second, is the 82nd psalm, Pebes, it begins, quote, Mizmola Asaf, God stands in the divine assembly. Among the judges, he delivers judgment. How long will you judge unjustly, showing favor to the wicked? In the middle of this miserable war, this miserable killing and being killed, thousands of Jews driven from their homes, either in the south where their homes were destroyed or in the north, driven by the Hezbollah, driven out of their homes, with more than a hundred kidnapped into those tunneled dungeons in Gaza, in the clutches of the most evil men and women in recorded human history, with our self-chosen wise men and women up there on the bench, chosen to uh, poison the atmosphere by resurrecting the currently suspended argument over judicial reform, suspended until after the war, Israel's high court is in the hands of the Erev Rav, the great mixers weakening Jewishness with outside wisdom of non-Jewish thinking.
And that was master violinist and composer Daniel Javier. Yes, the uh, ruling class in Israel. They are the spiritual grandchildren of the Hellenists that the Maccabees went to war against. A superficial knowledge of the festival of Hanukkah mistakes it for a war between the Greeks and the Jews when its essence was a civil war between the Hellenists determined to de-Judaize the Jewish people and those who wanted to continue being classical Jews. One reputable scholar has written that most of the Jews here were Hellenistic, had shed their unique Jewish beliefs and behaviors versus the Hashmonaim, the priests who went to war against uh, these anti-Jew Jews, against the process of being swamped by Greek culture. Last week, uh, if we focus on one small example of our contemporary Hellenization, the IDF in Gaza mistakenly killed some 70 locals and apologized for that with Khan, the name of the old Kol Yisrael has been privatized, calling uh, those Arab Muslims innocent civilians, which is nothing but the assimilation of anti-Jew thinking. Who licensed Khan to decide that these people are innocent? This is nothing but the assimilation of anti-Jew thinking. Who says they're innocent? Israel has assimilated this untruth. It raids repeatedly into the Janine slum, dishonestly called a refugee camp, in search of the bad guys, with the implication that their neighbors are innocent civilians who have nothing to do with these terrible terrorists. This is using Israeli soldiers as police SWAT teams. Last podcast I entitled it, There Are No Innocent Civilians, and I was quoting the released hostage, Mia Shem, I'm not sure how she pronounced her name, S-C-H-E-M. When during World War II, the U.S. and England were bombing Germany, were there human rights groups cautioning those bombers not to harm any of Germany's innocent civilians? who had nothing to do with the Nazis. It would also help for Israelis to politely but wisely pay no attention to outside opinionators. Today, Wynat ran an interview, a video interview, with Dennis Ross, the famous peace processor who never succeeded in bringing peace, and who recently admitted that his pressure on Israel to allow the Muslims in Gaza to bring in all kinds of building materials because they said they were going to build houses and schools and medical clinics. He admitted he was wrong. He said the Israelis were right when they said, don't do it. Hundreds of miles of tunnels were built with this equipment. And here is the Middle East expert, Ross, who, by the way, seems to have lied that he had a PhD at some point, writing a dissertation on Soviet decision-making, whose CV also shows no academic experience of the Middle East, commenting on the war here today, he said that while Hamas purports to be an Islamic movement, its actions have been markedly un-Islamic. Quote, getting imams to come out and declare that this is un-Islamic, uh, that's a step that should be taken along with Arab leaders supportive of the Palestinian cause to speak out against the negative effects of holding the hostages uh, to, well, on Palestinian aspirations. Uh, he says nations sympathetic to Hamas, like Qatar, should shed their cloak of purported neutrality and apply pressure on the terrorist group to release the hostages, close quote. Yeah, Dennis Ross is an ignoramus. Or an idiot who, in all his years making a nice salary at the State Department as a peace processor, he evidently learned nothing of the Arabs, nothing of Islam. He seems to think that kidnapping people 
and holding them hostage is un-Islamic. Arab history is a history of non-stop warfare, which always has included capturing the enemy and commonly enslaving the enemy as well. These were the uh, Barbary Pirates, a most unfortunate nickname. A most unfortunate nickname. Uh, today it's associated, Pirates that is, with uh, Walt Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, fantasies. Uh, versions of pirates who went ashore, like to hang out in taverns, get drunk on rum, and, and pour at wenches. And I say, no, the Barbie pirates not at all like that. They were religious Muslims for whom the jihad is eternal, and that licenses that license them to kidnap non-Muslims and enslave them for ransom. For a thousand years, the north coast of Africa contained an ever-changing population of thousands of Christian slaves, all praying to be ransomed. The great masterpiece of Spanish literature, Don Quixote de la Mancha, contains several chapters that take place in the slave dungeons of Algiers, the most feared of the Muslim ports, all based on Cervantes' own five years as a slave in Algiers. What Ross wants is for the imams to teach Hamas that holding hostages like this is, is not good PR for Palestinians. In this, he exhibits his abysmal ignorance of Islam. It has yet to sink into this State Department head that the greatest terrorist regime on the planet, Iran, is headed by imams, that is, Muslim preachers at the highest level in Iran called ayatollahs. Speaking before of the camaraderie in Israel as a result of this war, one statistic has revealed that the percentage of religious Zionists among the fallen far outstrips their percentage in the population. For in their community, religion and Zionism, meaning the war for our homeland, is one and the same. It is the religion that accounts for this commitment to a mission that accounts for the religious percentage of the fallen. The religious Zionists in the IDF today have taken the place of the collectivist youth in 1948, who no longer exist. It's a fact of nature. Political parties and movements come and go. I mean, uh, Thomas Jefferson headed a party that they call the Democratic-Republican Party, uh, who these days calls himself a Whig. And so Herzl's Zionism is now history which, fact, I believe, was a major, inarticulate catalyst for the rebellion by rioters who, in their spiritually empty lives, fear the rising power of religious Jews. If only because the religious have many more children. The fear of the rioters is the rising presence of Israelis who respect the Jewish lifestyle that is thousands of years old. The religious Zionist community amounts to some only 20% of the Jewish population when 45% of the fallen have come from this community. The facts also show a drastic reduction in the number of uh, violations of law and order in Judea and Samaria perpetrated by Jews against the Muslims, which hasn't stopped either the UN or the EU or the White House from speaking out against those violent settlers abusing the poor, poor ancient ones. One classic symptom of the anti-Jew is his inability to see the Jews as victims. The Jews are victimizers. Think of that nobody at the head of the uh, UN General Assembly these days, or the Secretary General Gutierrez, who could not condemn the demonic atrocities of October 7, executed by these Muslim angels from hell, without adding, 
It didn't happen in a vacuum. By implication, the Jews' alleged abuse of the ancient ones, which also deserves to be criticized. It's the same psychological mechanism that propels foreign ministries on January 7, 27 every year to remember the anti-Semitism of the Holocaust, but also all kinds of other bigotries done to non-Jews, and in this case, even committed by Jews. In fact, 22 MKs recently wrote to Joe Biden protesting his speaking of settler violence in Judea and Samaria as a serious problem when plainly it is not. Nothing compares to the almost daily attempts in Judea and Samaria by Muslims to pelt Jewish cars with rocks and to drive into clots, clots of Jews on the side of the road to stab them, when, stab them when filling up the family car in a gas station. Biden has just ordered the Eisenhower, the aircraft carrier, that he earlier ordered toward our coasts now to leave our coasts, which could be a result of orders from Obama to him that because Bibi is refusing to kowtow to the demand that he install the 88-year-old Holocaust denier in Ramallah as Gaza's post-war governor, this same Muslim terrorist who uses the money that Israel and others send to him to pay the terrorists in our prisons and their families. You know, the peace-loving Fatah under Mahmoud Abbas, Mahmoud Abbas has a menu of monthly rewards money for violence against al-Yahud. The more blood you draw, the more money you and your family will receive.
was Mickey Rosenbaum. And you're listening to the program program on phantomnation.com. And now to quote Monty Python for something completely different. <clears throat> I'm referring to the sad exposure of Tucker Carlson, the famous ex-Fox TV journalist, and the exposure uh, of him as an anti-Jew. I imagine uh, politically conservative Jews like yours truly, have, besides myself, have long suspected this of Carlson when he was at Fox TV. I thought the world of him at the time when he was opining on American domestic politics and culture. His commentary sarcastically skewed the madness and corruption of the times under Biden and the criminal Democrats. And that he might be an anti-Jew only uh, surfaced uh, occasionally in moments uh, often via a choice of guest. And uh, their anti-Israel words that went beyond rationality and smelled of uh, pathological anti-Jewism. Carlson also uh, never covered in all the years I had watched him the chronically front-page news from Israel, which I took to be his own awareness of his own anti-Jewism and he had the wisdom to keep it in check. But now that he has, uh, so to speak, come out of the closet, yeah, we see his unhinged assault on fellow opinionator Ben Shapiro, uh, questioning his patriotism just because he is a Jew. Uh, Carlson exposed himself as just another unoriginal, hostile goy. Carlson first uh, emitted these whiffs of his anti-Jewism to this observer uh, uh, via his sneering disdain for the neocons, a characteristic of paleoconservatives like himself. Neocon uh, began as a neutral description of intellectuals of the left in the 1960s who abandoned that mindset and adopted conservative values and ideas, men like uh, Irving Kristol and, and Norman Potthartz. But because many in this school of public intellectuals were Jews, the term became a covert way for some uh, to sneer at Jews for being neocons. In the lunatic 1960s, the neoconservatives, as they originally were called, opposed the war in Vietnam like others uh, on the left, but were appalled by the anti-Americanism that was totally wrong-headed and unnecessary in opposing the war. They became ardent admirers, patriots, lovers, and supporters of a capitalist America and supported a strong military. And because of that, and because that was also good for Israel, anti-Jews like Pat Buchanan and apparently Carlson believed the only reason for supporting a strong America among the neocons was to protect Israel. In minds like theirs, these uh, neo-isolationists, like the America Firsters in the 1930s and 40s, the neocons were seen as dangerous for supporting U.S. intervention overseas, which they objected to, and especially to the Middle East because it was being done at the behest of the Israel lobby, led by the neocons. Carlson attacked Shapiro for focusing on Israel too much and insisted, quote, I'm from here. My family's been here for hundreds of years, and I plan to stay here. I am shocked how, about how little... They care uh, about this country. By implication, Shapiro is less of a patriot because his forebears were, what, relatively recent of arrivals? And what is no less depressing uh, was his lack of originality. I mean, the dual loyalty smear is one of the oldest anti-Jew fantasies in the Encyclopedia of Irrational Hatreds. Implicit in Carlson's venom is the accusation that the Jews 
manipulate the U.S. for their own benefit and do not care for America's harm, the Jew as disloyal, evil traitor. Shades of the Dreyfus Affair. This way of thinking, of course, was completely bonkers, as all anti-Semitic ideas are in their divorce from truth and reality. Contrary to Carlson's anti-Jew turn of mind, Ben Shapiro's frequent forays into Jewish and Israeli affairs are perfectly normal and no indication of disloyalty. Uh, Shapiro may have uh, friends or relatives there, and even if not, given what happened on October 7, a true, unique, historical explosion of evil, which is still ongoing, and considering the violent anti-Semitism in America these days, never known in its history, of course, Shapiro has the right to focus on Jewish and Israeli affairs. He also has the brains, I'm sure Shapiro does, to know, as Carlson does not, that when uh, everything hits the fan against the Jews and the uh, people go crazy, it also affects non-Jews. Jews are not the only ones to suffer. The society as a whole can suffer. If at first Carlson only occasionally, unwittingly, hinted at his bigotry, last June Fox had to fork over $12 million to a former Jewish producer of Carlson's, Abby Grossberg, who sued the, com- the company and won for abuse in the workplace, work, uh, workplace, which included obnoxious anti-Semitism, which lawsuit seems to have been connected to the never-explained sudden firing of Carlson by Fox. In her lawsuit, Grossberg claimed, quote, the jibes over her Jewish faith were relentless. And then there was uh, Carlson's interview with Kanye West, uh, in which this generation's idea of a singer uh, exposed himself as functionally clinical in his paranoia about Jews, which part of the interview Carlson deleted before broadcast. Carlson fancies himself a serious journalist, and he has been, but the leading West's disgusting hatred of Jews was not professional at all. So I say, Tucker Carlson, thank you very much for ending the curiosity about you among Jewish conservatives who are now saddened by evidence of your baseless animosity. Though in your defense, one imagines you were raised to think this way. Carlson is an Episcopalian. That's the creme de la creme of Gentile society in America. Past masters of ostracizing Jews, keeping them out of men's clubs where deals are made, keeping them out of fraternities and universities. So we can forgive him to a degree because he was raised this way. The official Episcopalian position on Israel could not be more politically correct The church supports the anti-Semitic opposition to Jews living in Judea and Samaria, which his church sees as, quote, the occupied West Bank, and never mind in their own New Testament. uh, The the book repeatedly uses the term Judea and not West Bank. Samaria appears 117 times. Check out Judea right there at the first verse of the second chapter of the New Testament, Matthew 2.1. Maybe someday Carson will become aware of his irrational antagonism toward American Jews who care about Israel, which does not diminish their loyalty to America in the slightest. This is only in his head.
that was the klezmer magic of Kaume Naul and Chilek Frank. Okay, that's it for this second of this week's three podcasts uh, for subscribers to phantom-nation.com. I'll be back for number three on Thursday. Until then, Lailatov Tov, Me'eretz Yisrael. <laughs>